it's ironic that when we set aside a topic to speak on, we get an opportunity to practice it before we even hear the message. And it happens so often. Nathan and I prepared the plan for the year in October last year. So we had a 12-month plan. And if you weren't aware, like if you weren't paying attention in October last year, because we did talk about this, we actually really wanted to get to the basics of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Focus on the important things, the, the core things. And if we can do the big things, the main things, the significant things, if we can understand the big things about God, and if we can practice, then the details will sort themselves out. And so it might look like we're doing random things each week. It's not a series as such, but it absolutely is strategic. And I've had to chuckle at myself in recent weeks at the way God is so strategic in what he's doing. And it's so he's so gracious. He's, he's that shepherd that leads his flock because he has such good intentions for us if we're happy to listen, if we're okay with listening. And, um, and sometimes he requires us to experience something before he then teaches us. Disciples had this quite frequently because they went out, sent out in, in pairs, and came back amazed but with a lot of questions. They were ready to learn after they'd experienced things. And today is no different. Today is no different because um, I woke up this morning and my tablet that I normally would speak from was flat as a tack. And I was like, oh, I could charge it. But that's going to be a distraction. I'm going I'm to simplify things. I'm going to actually put, print something out on a piece of paper. Radical, I know. Mind-blowing. And then we got here this morning and the projector screen wouldn't work. It's like, I could respond in a numerous different ways about this. It's like, it's, we can do this simply. That's okay. We don't, need to, we don't need to make this bigger than all it is. It's just a projector screen. We can still gather. And then go to put the words on and they're all the wrong size and the wrong shape and have to... There's so many opportunities for us to take things into our own hands and do things our way and complicate things. And yet the message this morning, the theme that God wants to remind us of is simplicity. Is simplicity. And in the worship space, I really had a sense that he wanted to draw us into that place of not being distracted, of, of, of the fact that he does put bumpers up for us to focus on the things that we need to focus on. Does anyone know the movie Back to the Future? One of my favourite trilogies, Back to the Future. A lot of the movies that I mention up here, I, I end up by saying I don't recommend. Uh, <laughs> Back to the Future is one of the ones I do recommend as some entertainment. Um, it's not the perfect movie, but it's a, I reckon it's a fantastic 
set of three movies and I don't watch movies repeatedly but it's one of the ones that I've seen many times and for the trivia buffs among you I've got a question what is the last phrase of the first movie it's a famous quote very close very very close does anyone want to to be continued that was that was on the screen that's right roads where we're going, we don't need no roads. So almost, Jono, almost, Jono, right, right on the point. Finish the movie. We're saying roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And they fly off in their car with the wheels into somewhere. You don't know where they're going. I reckon they actually ripped that off. Jesus. I reckon they were inspired by Jesus because in a completely different context, in a different way, he said the same thing. Someone came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And his response to them was, Roads, where... No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And you might go, Ripped off. He doesn't have a pillow but he's not talking about that he's talking about a bigger picture where he's going he doesn't need the things that people think they need and he actually challenged his disciples before sending them out and this is what he said to them he called the 12 together this is in Luke 9 if you're excited to write notes which is a good thing he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and sent them out proclaiming the kingdom of God and to heal. Now I just want to make a side note. He sent them out with power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Do you know what? They came back excited at their ability to power and to cure and to cast out demons. And you know what Jesus said? You're focusing on the wrong thing. Don't be proud about that. Interesting. Just as a side note. He gave them the, that. And then he said to them, take nothing for your journey. No staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. And do not have two tunics. Don't take two tops, just take one. And whatever house you enter, stay there. And from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. You don't need any of that stuff. You can go out and do my mission by our standards, completely ill-equipped, without any tools. You can go out and do what I've called you to do. Leonardo da Vinci said, Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Albert Einstein said, Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. Everything should be made as simple as possible, but not simpler. There are people who, in their wisdom, sharp people, 
were connecting it with something of God's design, whether they knew it or not. Really sharp people were actually connecting with something about God's design. Simplicity. You know, part of God's design is for him to be the centre of life. We were designed to live that way. We were designed for God to be part of the design. We were designed to desire God, to need God. And the Apostle John understood this really well. He journeyed very closely with Jesus. And to him, the most important way to start his gospel, his testimony of his time with Jesus, was these words. In the, in the beginning was the word, and by the word he's referring to Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the starting point for his testimony. This is the starting point for his gospel, his good news, is to point out the whole of life, everything that was made, was made for Christ to be the centre of. Last week, we looked at priorities and we had a, a panel discussion about priorities and th there was a theme that came through from the experience of the three people that shared. We get it wrong sometimes, we do it right sometimes, but our aim is to make sure God is at the centre of our priorities. But what we don't always realise or sometimes we get a warped idea because we think putting God at the centre of our priorities complicates things, and it is the opposite. When God is the centre of our priorities, things get simpler. Things are simplified when God is the centre of our priorities. In fact, we get stuck and complicate things when we try to do things our own way. There is a pattern, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into some experiences later, but this morning's no different to that. When my tablet's not working, I have a whole bunch of options to respond. And if I take things into my own hands, it's going to get complicated. If I decide to get frustrated, if I decide to, to do things my own way, rather than say, Lord, what's important to you this morning? What's on your heart? What do you want me to focus on? There's so many opportunities for us to wander off and get complicated if we take it into our own hands. And we're not the first people to do that. You might have heard of the Tower of Babel. A really interesting story. Again, and this is no criticism to our kids' leaders, because they're not like this, but I felt a little ripped off reading the story, as I often do with Old Testament stories, on my Sunday school teachers, because the Bible didn't say it like they told me. They got the right punchline, but it actually shouldn't be... Even, even the Bible verse calls it the Tower of Babel. It wasn't the Tower of Babel, it was the city of Babel. And 
The idea that they tried to build a tower between earth and heaven isn't actually true. Do you know why they built a tower? No one's game, I know. I've set you all up because you all thought like I did that they tried to build a tower to get to heaven. Better phone coverage? Let me read it to you. Genesis 11.3 says, They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Now this is actually really significant. And you don't hear this in the kid's story, do you? But they were technologically advanced. Everyone else was using stone. They'd worked out how to build bricks. They were a step ahead. They were a technologically advanced people in this region. And uh, they were smart. Significant. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Now the heavens is the sky, a big tower. And then it says, so that we may make a name for ourselves. And the light bulb goes on and goes, think about almost every, unless it's telecommunications, think about almost every big building you know in the world. Think about the pyramids. What were the purpose of them? To make a name for yourself. The Eiffel Tower, the Dubai Hotel, the you name it, why do you make a big tower? Make a name for yourself. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. What's the combination here? We've got a combination of some knowledge, you know, technologically advanced people who want to be known and are afraid. Technologically advanced people who want to be known They've got a pride issue and and are fearful of the future. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like you and I on some days? Does it sound like a recipe for disaster? (laughs) Does it sound like they were probably complicating things to the point of ruining their lives? This is what we do when God's not the center and when we want to complicate things by doing it ourselves. Trying to take control, getting fixated with things and wanting to do them our way always makes things unnecessarily complicated without fail. And I'm happy to to be corrected because I, I don't think there's an example that I've known in my lifetime or in scripture that doesn't happen that way. When we get our mitts on things, it gets yucky and complicated. Now I do wanna be careful because life gets complicated without our input. I'm not trying to say life is easy. I'm not trying to say life doesn't have challenges and complications. And it's interesting that, that the same Jesus that told his disciples to go out on mission On the day before he was betrayed, do you know what he told his disciples? Get your knapsacks, get your money, get your possessions together because things are getting tough. Right? So he wasn't totally 
saying that we need to we need to posture ourselves in a way to say i'm just going to torture myself and i'm not going to use what god's given me there is a time and place and he was heading into a very complicated moment in his life and their lives he was getting crucified and the disciples were getting scattered no one would argue that that's just a simple blissful scenario and he was saying pack your bags get your possessions you're going to need them for the next little while so please don't hear me i'm not talking I'm not trying to suggest that life is simple. I'm, I'm talking about our posture, how we look at things. And when we take God out and put ourselves in, it gets complicated. Money and possessions get complicated. Has anyone aspired to buying a fast car? Different trivia question, not a movie question, a car question. Ferrari F355 Spider. What do you reckon it's worth? 700 k They're secondhand now. You can't buy a new one. So you can only buy a secondhand one. I looked online. Car sales will sell you one for 300 grand at the moment. Do you know how much spark plugs cost for it? Four grand. Four grand for spark plugs. Thousand bucks to change your oil. Insurance? 14 grand a year. So we're buying ourselves a little Hyundai brand new every year just for the cost of keeping this thing, right? Now, for those that aspire, this isn't a judgment. I'm just pointing out the complications of desiring possessions. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a harmless scenario, but our lives actually, we can, we can laugh at those who want a Ferrari, but we're not that different. We might aspire for different things. We might, you know, have desires. But when we take God out of the center and put ourselves in and say, okay, how do I look at money and possessions? It gets complicated. It gets messy. And all of a sudden we start looking at people and what they've got and start saying, but I don't have it and they do. How do I get it? What do I do? And in our minds and our hearts, it gets complicated. Image and status. If you take God out of the middle of that and put us in and you look at image and status, just talk to any 13-year-old guy or girl who's wrestling through who they are. And they don't have to be 13. They can be 53. And if they don't know who they are in Christ, it gets complicated. We start worrying about how we look. We start worrying about, about who likes us and who doesn't. We start worrying about what job we have and whether it's, whether it's socially acceptable. We start worrying about whether we're accepted or not because of what we do or don't do or what we say or don't say. When we take God out of the center and put ourselves in, it gets complicated. Safety and security. We just end up living in fear. Because you cannot make yourself safe or secure. You can't buy life insurance that stops you from dying. You can't make decisions for everybody around you. You can't control how safe life is for you. You can try, and the more you try, the more complicated it gets. But at the end of the day, when you take God out and say, I'm building my own kingdom and I'm going to make it a fort to be safe, 
It doesn't help. There's a famous case of a guy, Howard Hughes, who, who uh, was an inventor, and he got paranoid. He, he had mental health issues, but he got paranoid about germs. And he locked himself away to protect himself from germs. So God's got a design for our lives and got a plan for us. And when you take it in your own hands, you know what happens? He got sick because his immune system was shot because he wasn't living in the design that God had for him. It doesn't mean that we don't get sick when we're in rhythm with God. Like things do happen. I still get sunburnt when I go outside. Um, it's not a design flaw. God didn't stuff up creating my skin. I've just got to be a bit sensible about it and trust him. But if I take it into my own hands, it's going to get complicated. Time and capacity. Who's taken that into their own hands? <laughs> did it get in, life get any easier when you did that? T tell me, because it, it hasn't for me. Relationships. Anyone decide to take relationships into their own hands? It only gets messy. It only gets more complicated. You know where I'm going with this. When I was growing up, I had the privilege of being a missionary kid. We spent seven years in Southern Africa. And this for me, this idea of simplification, is something that's been such a blessing to my life. I'm not talking today from a posture of, of this is something we're aspiring to do. Maybe it is for you. But for me, this is something that is part of my foundation. I'm not trying to say that I've got it all together. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect. But it's something that has been built into the culture of my family and who I am. And, and now I'm at a point of owning it for myself too. And, and owning it for my family. And we were joking this morning. Like, I still have an issue with, with Amazon and how easy it is to buy things and have them delivered tomorrow. It's not that I don't desire. It's not that I, there's not a wrestle there and I don't put myself in. But for me, the simplicity of God in the center and me not is something that I strive to live every day. And for me, what's really important is to get the simple things right, the, the little things right, so that when the big things come along, I'm actually practiced. And I was joking with Darren during the week. Darren and I went to Fiji together. Fiji's a mind-opening experience. Going on a trip with Darren's a mind-opening experience. Fantastic time. And on the last day, we were fried. It was hot. We were spent. We'd worked hard. We hadn't, it wasn't as fruitful as we'd wanted, which is more tiring. And Darren was like, I'm going to get a bottle of Coke. Do you want one? And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, why not? And I said, I don't think I need one. He's like, but wouldn't you enjoy one? I was like, absolutely. Coke sounds delicious right now. And he's like, hang on a minute. Are you saying that you're not getting one because you don't need one even though you desire one. You've got the money in your pocket, you've got the time, the opportunity, and you're gonna say no. I was like, yeah, 
I'm going to say no. Do you make that sort of choice for all your decisions? I was like, not always, but I do try to. He's like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and he's right. But for me, if you can make a decision about a bottle of Coke, when it comes to deciding whether you're going to rent or buy a house, that's stressful, that's full on, that's not easy. And yet, it's not a new place because I've been practicing. It's because I've been dealing with the little things. And when you deal with the little things in the way that you think God wants you to, the bigger things come along and you, you don't feel so out of control. You don't feel like it's as complicated as maybe it should feel if I was doing it all my, on my own. And I'm not trying to boast. I'm just saying the little things have made such a difference in my life when it comes to big things. And there's three areas that I just want to nail today about simplicity that for me have been so refreshing, so enlightening, so uh, helpful to live life. Doesn't make life less complicated, but it makes my perspective less complicated. The first one is to live simply. To live simply. This is what Jesus said. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. This is Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why don't you store treasures up on earth? What, what happens to things on earth? They decay. They get stolen. They get damaged. If they're precious to me, it's only going to end in disappointment. It's only going to get complicated if those things are the things that are my focus and my desire. Living simply eradicates all of that. It's amazing what freedom comes with a simple lifestyle. There's a guy who is a great teacher, great sociologist, I think is his specialty. Tony Campolo, a guy called Tony Campolo, a guy that goes around the world speaking within Christian circles, writes books. He really convicts people to the need of the, the less fortunate. That's his passion, is, uh, is those that aren't middle class Western people. And for those of us that are well off, how to engage them. And he proudly says two things that have inspired me. He owns one suit. One suit. An internationally renowned speaker. He only flies cattle class. Unless the place that's calling him insists and buys his ticket and, and pays for, for something else. He only flies domestic standard class flights. And he and his wife decided when he started ministry that he was effectively a teacher. So he would take a salary the same as an American high school teacher. And anything above that is not his. And I look at that and I go, man, that's integrity. 
That's getting God at the center and me not at the center. And I guarantee you that his life is much, much simpler and better than if he complicated things and said it's mine and I decide how much is God's. Like, mind blown, when I heard that when I was a 16, 17-year-old, I was like, whoa, I gotta, like, I'm not there yet. Um, one suit, domestic, regular flights and a, and a teacher's salary is his ministry model. And boy, that sets him up so well to live life. Brilliant. Live simply. Live simply. I'm not trying to prescribe what that looks like. I don't think all of us are meant to live like cookie-cutter people. But live simply. The second one is learn simply. Learn simply. This was one of the downfalls of the, of the, of the people of Babel. Because they were smart people and they decided to use their, their knowledge, their intelligence, their technology for the wrong gain. Matthew twenty two thirty four 34 says, um, Hearing that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with his question. See what the premise is? He silenced the Sadducees. So the Pharisees are colluding not to learn, but to test Jesus, to put him back in his box. It's, a, it's an interesting perspective. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Does anyone know how many commandments there are? 618. 618 commandments. And this is the, the, we're now talking years later where they've sort of unpacked Moses' law and made it, made it their own sort of thing. They've got 618 of them. So this is their question. 618 of them, what's the most important one? Thinking they're going to trap him. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Could Jesus have made a mess of them? Could he have gone through all 618 and, like, he could have used his wisdom and knowledge to baffle them and make them look like fools. But his solution was to simplify Simplify, simplify, simplify. When things get complicated, the first thing you've got to ask yourself is what's God saying? And in that, maybe he's already said something that I can understand to simplify this. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I know it's an old dad joke. That's why Paul and I know it. But it's the same principle to learn simply. Knowledge is great. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. We've been created to be, to be creative. We've been created to understand and to know. That's what separates us from animals is that we have an ability to connect, to relate, to feel and to understand like no other creature on the earth does. And it's beautiful if God is at the center and if our knowledge becomes our power, our um, desire to, 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 for identity, 
What does it do? Scripture says it puffs us up. It distracts us. It wait. Learn simply. Get the simple things right. That's exactly what we're trying to do this year in our teaching. Let's get the simple things right. Third, love simply. Love simply. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Let's not rush through this. So if I'm articulate in my ability to speak, whether it's in the tongues of angels, which would be seen as a spiritually good thing, or in the tongues of man, which would be seen as a worldly good thing, but I have not love. It's just noise. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Like, can you get the scale of this? Those aren't bad things. But when you take God out of the middle and put you in the middle, they're nothing without love. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, sounds pretty generous. Sounds like a good thing, a place of sacrifice. But have not love, I gain nothing. You could argue that all these things are love. But that's in our way of complicating things. We complicate things by saying, I love you if I give you a gift. One thing I know not to ever say to Tanya is, if you love me, dot, dot, dot. She's watched way too many romantic comedies for that to work. No. <laughs> it's flawed. It's putting me in the middle, not God in the middle. And if, if, if you love me, there's a condition undermines the simplicity of what love actually is. It's warped as soon as you start that sentence that way. And it goes on to say, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The definition of love here a five-year-old understands. They don't get all knowledge. They don't get all faith or spiritual power. All those things are complicated things. But love is simple. Love simply. Live simply. Learn simply. And love simply. And you can only do those with God at the center of the picture. 
This is not easy because there's a wrestle in us. We keep wanting to put ourselves in the middle. But today, I want us to set a stake in the ground to define our position. To define our position because we can have ideals, but if they're just wishful thinking, then in five minutes' time, when that little simple thing comes up, when that person says something that irritates you. And it's fascinating, as I've been thinking and praying about this week, they're all over the place. <laughs> Those little things are constant. I reckon today I would have had maybe 20 or 30 already in my day opportunities for me to, to put myself in a scenario or let God in the scenario. We're constantly given opportunities to live simply, to learn simply, and to love simply. Constantly. But if we don't have resolve to say, that's what I want to do, you've already lost the battle. Sorry, that's not true. Holy Spirit aside, you've already lost the battle. <laughs> You're making life hard for yourself. You're complicating things from the beginning. So what I'd love to do is to very simply check our hearts and say, God, I want you to be the center. And when you're the center, I commit to living simply, learning simply, and loving simply. And then let that work itself out and practice it. Um, God will walk with you. I could tell you hundreds and hundreds of stories. When I'm in the center, I'll buy things for myself. When God's in the center, I'm generous. It's fascinating. Because this is, so, this is so my DNA, there's little quirky things that God's reminded of me this week. I don't go out and buy myself a coffee or, or, or tea. or I never go to a cafe for myself. But if you go to a cafe with me, good luck trying to pay for the tea or coffee. Because I think it's a waste of money to spend that on me, but it's absolutely not a waste of money to spend it on you. <laughs> that's, and I just go, wow, that's... So it's really bad when my dad and I are in the same room and trying to pay for something. Because this is a culture I learned off him, that it's being generous is something that's, that's a simple principle that you can do all the time. I've don't, never known someone to be too generous. I don't think it exists where it's possible to be too generous. Um, and yet it is so easy to get too selfish. And so when dad and I in the room at the same time, we're in trouble because he wants to pay for it and I want to pay for it and it's Tanya and I that have the same problem. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you can choose. No, you choose. No, you choose. It's, it's annoying. <laughs> but my point is there's an opportunity to be simple and for God to do beautiful things in and through you and when things get complicated, ask yourself, is God at the center of this? Because most of the time is not when things, when your perspective is complicated. Not the circumstances, when your perspective is complicated. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that throughout this morning, you have pointed us towards you. Lord, I want to thank you that 
from the moment we woke. Every moment, every opportunity, every scenario, every conversation was an opportunity to put you at the center. I thank you so much, Lord, that when we gathered to worship, your presence, your spirit led us towards you, towards what you were saying. Lord God, this is your good, beautiful design for us. And we so thank you for that design. And Lord, right now we simply say we need you. We need you at the center of our thoughts. We need you at the center of our decisions. We need you at the center of what we see, what we hear, what we experience. And we desperately need you at the center of our emotions and our decisions, Lord. Lord, we pray that in our weakness, you would lead us in this. You would remind us of this. You would train and equip us in this, Lord God. Give us opportunities to live simply, Lord. Lord, give us opportunities to learn simply, Lord. Give us opportunities to love simply. Lord, life is so empty and complicated without you. Lord, we commit today. We commit to making choices, Lord God. Striving, pursuing, laboring, running the race of this life, Lord for the goal of you at the center. We make that commitment today, Lord, and ask you to not only keep us accountable to that, Lord God, but as you become more and more of the center, that our lives would reflect and glorify you more too. You are the best thing for us. And we just surrender to that now in Jesus' name. Amen.